Well, hey guys, how's it going? Ty from Breaker Culture. We're excited today because uh, we have another awesome breaker joining us for uh, just a conversation. Uh, Matt from, from Cardboard Treasures. How you doing, man? Hey, doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Shanee, you there as well? I'm here. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Well, first off, you're another Missouri guy. You're in St. Louis, yeah. correct? That's correct. The hotbed of the hobby, right? <laughs> you're right. How you feeling about the Cardinals this year? Um, you know, I'm I'm really I was really optimistic when they got rid of Matheny. I, I loved him as a player, and uh, and I'm I'm a recent Cardinal fan. I mean, I I was uh, not a Cardinal fan until they got Jim Edmonds, and he he's I mean he was my favorite player at the time, and uh, so I'm I'm only about a, a 20 year fan or less, and um, man, they just. I, I've been so spoiled for so many years that when they struggle, it's like it's like crisis mode if they're not, you know, eight games above 500 at any given point in time. So I don't know. I've, I've been optimistic since they've had Mike Schilt, and I hope that they do well enough for him to be kept around as a uh, as the permanent manager. Yeah, no, it's funny. I mean, obviously, I'm a Royals fan, so it, it's inherent that I root against the Cardinals. But right. <laughs> it's uh. We, I think we share common interests when it comes to NCAA teams and all that good stuff. But Matt Carpenter, are you kidding me? Yeah, and I, <laughs> he, he wasn't even a playable. He was not a. He was not a guy that you that anybody had any business putting in the lineup the first two months of the season. I mean, he was bad, like it, almost historically bad. You know, just and what he's done, man, it's been awesome to see. Yeah, that is fun. That makes baseball fun for sure. When you yeah. have a hot player. Well, cool. Well, why don't you uh, why don't you give us just a real quick background? I know you've been around doing breaking with cardboard treasures uh, for a little over a year, correct? Yes. So, just give the the quick bio, and then uh, we'll chat a little bit more about what exactly you're doing. All right, cool. Yeah. Um, well, I started collecting back in '85, um, and it was just kind of a passive. I I wasn't I wasn't a crazy obsessed collector until '87, and when that '87 Topps McGuire came out. Man, I was I was just like mesmerized by it. And I was obsessed with the hobby, uh, and I um I was obsessed with two things as a kid. So it was um it was sports cards and pro wrestling. And then uh, once I got out of high school, I I actually I had a baseball scholarship and I walked away from it to pursue a career in wrestling, and uh, did that for a few years. Had a little bit of success, and uh, then uh, now now when I say success, that that means I I did okay, but um doesn't mean I, you know, made a gobs of money or anything like that, but, um, and then what, I got injured in car wreck. <laughs> well, it doesn't stand the test of time, but it was all that Matt Murphy. Now that was relevant in the late nineties, early two thousands. <laughs> it's kind of weird now. I, I think that every, I, I think anybody that says all that now is like it, just people in their thirties, like me that still say cool and awesome way too much. Dating themselves. Right. Yes. I just felt convicted now that you said that because I say those two words way too much. So thank oh, you. Oh, I, 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 I don't know at what point I outgrow it, but I'm certainly not there yet. <laughs> we both have kids, man. We have to introduce them to the right words. So That's correct. <laughs> yeah. Nice. All right. So you were uh, deciding between ba- uh, baseball and, and wrestling. You decided to go yes. down the wrestling path. All right. That's right. Yeah. What, what, what happened? Uh, first off, why did you – I mean, what, what position did you play? What I was a second baseman and center fielder. Nice. Okay. Where, uh, 
I mean, as I'm assuming you were taking that pretty serious because you got a scholarship, but why would you give that up for wrestling? What, what was the impetus behind that? Well, I was going to college to play baseball. I wasn't going to college to be a student. I, I couldn't wait to get out of high school. And, um, I just, I, I didn't think that I would ever step onto a field. I thought, you know what, I'm going to flunk out. I'm, I, my heart's not in it. This isn't what I want to do. Um, I, there's not really a path for me to do this for a living. So, yeah, I mean, I was, I was good enough to get a scholarship. I wasn't good enough, uh, to do anything with that. You know, I mean, to, to go much, to go any further than that. And I, and I just, um, uh, decided that like my interest was in journalism and with the exception of, you know, the, the one percenters in journalism, not exactly a lucrative career. I mean, it, so I, I just, and, and wrestling was really what, what my passion was at that point. Interestingly mm-hmm. enough, I was also very interested in journalism as a student, as mm-hmm. an undergrad. I also realized quickly that it would not be sustainable um, unless I was, like you said, one of the one percenters. So right. instead, I just decided to focus on theology, which was a much better idea. <laughs> <laughs> Is, does, does, that, does that fall under the, uh, like, a, like a communications degree? At the University of Pittsburgh, theology was basically part of the philosophy department. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, it, really useful. <laughs> I use it every single day. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. All right. So let's pick, let's pick up this bio real quick again. Sorry. We interrupted you a little bit. Oh, you're fine. Yeah. So, um, I, I did okay. I mean, you know, it's, it's definitely not something I lead a conversation with because for one thing, you have to be weird to do it. There's just, you can't watch a bunch of grown men in tights on TV, uh, (laughs) pretending to fight and think, you know what, that's what I'm going to do with my life. You're not normal. (laughs) You're, there's oh just, there God, is no way. Hilarious. So, um, so, but I, but I, I did it and I had a good time with it. And, um, and unfortunately, um, you know, I was, I was always athletic, but it, it was a big man sport back then. I mean, I was 205 pounds, I think when I started and I was considered like way undersized. And even at my peak, I was 227 and fit. And, um, I was still, considered small so you know looking at things today it's way different and you know that the, the wow. whole world of opportunities have opened up for smaller guys but uh but unfortunately i i developed i i was i was a decent in-ring performer but it most of my ability was in my head you know it was i i was really creative i had a i had a mental aptitude for the business even though physically it didn't take long for my body to break down um, but I did a few matches for WWE. Uh, in fact, right there in your backyard at Kimber arena was my second match. And, yeah. um, and then, uh, I did three tours of Japan and was actually really starting to get on the radar. Um, there was a magazine called wrestle America that had their, an annual issue called the Indy 30. And it was the top 30 prospects in wrestling. And, uh, back in Oh two, they had me listed eighth in that, uh, on that annual article. And, um, a few months later, so I was give in us a, some pers- so to give us some perspective, mm-hmm. who else was on that list that um, folks might that, know that you're, that's listening right now? There were well, quite a few. AJ Styles, the first one that comes to mind. Um, uh-huh. AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, um, CM Punk, Colt Cabana. So some uh, there, there were some big names. In fact, at one point, I pulled out the old magazine and looked at it. And 
Uh, it was something like all but six of us went on to, you know, make good livings in the business. And, um, but at, at the time I was still very much the house band. I mean, even though I had some success and I was getting some attention, uh, I was still the, the bulk of my, of my uh, bookings were independent shows. They weren't in major arenas. They were in high school gyms, national guard armories, uh, for 50 to $150 a match. And so I was very much the house band, but I was partying like a rock star. And, um, nice. a few, a few months after that, that article came out, people were really starting to take notice of me. I was, uh, the passenger in a drunk driving accident and hurt my neck. And that was kind of the end of that. Oh, that's true. Wow. So, so, so I was a pretty big fan of wrestling in my day, uh-huh. probably from junior high. I, I graduated high school in 92. I'm a little couple years older than you. Yeah. Um, remember watching the first WrestleMania? Mm-hmm. Um, I had a unique opportunity where a family member owned a small Howard Johnson hotel and restaurant right by the Pittsburgh airport. Oh, wow. And anytime the WWF came to town, they would all stay at that hotel and hang out by the pool when they weren't working. Yeah. And several times they would, that, that family would call us and say, Hey, going out to the hotel, we'll give you a room for the day to just, you know, hang out and go to the pool and you'll get to meet all these guys. Basically any name you can think of in that kind of late eighties era, yeah. I got to meet and it was pretty cool. I remember wow. one day I was walking out of the restaurant, having grabbed a ice cream cone with my sister and we were going to sprint back to the pool and we take a left out of the restaurant and without looking, start running. And I literally bump into the navel, if I was even that high on him, <laughs> of Andre the Giant. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I was beyond scared. Yeah. Crumbled. And my sister was just laughing at me. And so was he. Andre the Giant just laughed at me. And, that's uh, awesome. That's that's my best wrestling story. <laughs> yeah. He, and, and, you know, he was... I mean, he was the biggest spectacle back in the day when everybody, like everybody in the business was a spectacle. Like they walked in a room and every head turned, you know, they right. didn't look like me. They didn't look like your next door neighbor. They looked like they, they looked like kind of circus freaks back then. So I recently went to the national. Were you in yeah. the national, by the way? I was not. I stayed home. I bring it up because on my flight from Pittsburgh was Hulk Hogan. Oh, cool. And I realized later in the week that he was actually on his way to the National as well because mm. he was one of the guys signing for TriStar. And it was shocking. I, I basically walked behind him from the parking lot to the gate all the way through security and everything. Mm-hmm. And it was shocking to see this guy who I had watched as a kid shuffle like a 90-year-old man. Yeah. His feet looked to be probably surgically fused and, you know, he barely could move. And it was kind of sad, to be honest. It seems like uh, if that's the case with him, is it is it a fair thing to assume that a lot of wrestlers at a pretty young age have, you know, some pretty significant, you know, functional issues? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, like there, uh, people that are in the business or close to the business can spot a wrestler from across a room. 
just by the way they walk. There's there's uh, a certain there's a certain shuffle or waddle uh, that wrestlers have. You know, I mean, pe- people say what they want about wrestling, but you're getting slammed onto steel beams covered by plywood and a, a half inch of foam, and that foam doesn't absorb a whole lot. And if you're if you're unlucky, there's a spring in the middle of the ring. Uh, because those rings, I think, are even tougher. But yeah, it's it's you're constantly having your body abused, and um, anybody that does anything in the wrestling business for any period of time is going to have some some permanent effects of it. So, so one last wrestling question: We can start talking a little more about cardboard. Mm-hmm. You can't argue with the guy's success. He has a ton of money, but as a casual fan, Vince McMahon strikes me as being a bit of a crazy guy. What's the, what's the real word on the guy? Yeah, absolutely. He's a, he's a, kind of the, uh, the, the madman gene. He's, he's like a mad scientist, you know? I mean, it, and it's funny because he's probably the smartest guy that's ever been in the business as far wow. as being able to bring it mainstream. But he's also, he's, he's also completely out of touch or well has at times been completely out of touch with his audience and you know when you've got a guy who's um now in his 70s that doesn't he's he doesn't watch tv and he's like this this show is supposed to be infused with pop culture and you know that's what they want from their writing team and they um that that's that's what they're banking on and but he he's not a guy who's who watches tv and like to him, the fans want what he tells them they want. So it's, um, it, it, it's weird. It's like, there's, there's never been a, a smarter guy in the business, but there's never been, <clears throat> excuse me. I don't want to say there's never been, because there have been a lot of guys, uh, who time passes them by and they really lose their, lose their feeling on the pulse of their audience. Interesting. That so transitioning, it is. It's very interesting. I'm sure there are a number of people out there that are interested in wrestling, whether it's from the perspective of collecting cards, because there obviously mm-hmm. is a lot of content out there for wrestling cards and wrestling fans, um, or they're just into sports cards like me and also a fan of wrestling as a, as a separate kind of interest. Right. Um, there's, there's definitely a connection. Is that a fair statement, though? Would you say there are a, there's a lot of content out there for wrestling fans? I think I mean, I so. Got, I, is there? Yeah, I mean, given given the differences between baseball, football, you know, the the big the the mainstream sports and wrestling, just the fact that you get you know a half dozen or more products per year um, for WWE, that I think that's I think that's a great thing. Um, now, unfortunately, the with with there not being a ton of content, uh, product r- release delays really seem to mm. hit to hit that that segment of the hobby a lot harder. Like Undisputed comes out later this month, it's been delayed twice already, and uh, that's the biggest release of the year. So yeah, there are a lot of people that are really unhappy, and and I hope that doesn't have a negative impact on the on, on their interest in continuing to collect wrestling cards. Yeah, that's, that's true. Do you do you find yourself more than likely doing more wrestling breaks than any other breaker just because of your background? Um, that... I don't think so. There okay. there are a couple of others that do it, and I and there's one actually. Um, 
and I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but Monero Sports Cards. Okay. And, yeah, um, that's right. And he um, he he does a lot of wrestling breaks, and I've also seen him. He's posted on Twitter where he's actually um, setting up at independent at an independent show in California, and uh, I think he's selling some merchandise or maybe some cards or something. But I, I think that he's probably it. He's he's one of them, and then there's another one. Um, I I think on Twitter he's lazy booking, and um, or that's his Twitter name. I don't know if that's his uh, you know his his username, but anyway, he uh, I think does quite a few. So I I don't think I do more than anybody else, and there there are certainly people that um have have been doing it longer. I mean I think I I give kind of a fresh perspective, but at the same time when I do breaks I I don't. Like I'll I'll share a story here and there if I can and if it's PG, but I'm not going to um make it all about me, you know. I mean I've right now I can go through a, a product and possibly pull cards of people that I help train, and I'm not gonna wow. I'm not gonna try to transition that into you know the break being about me. That's pretty cool though. I'm yeah, sure was... there are folks out there that have been a part of your breaks that hear that kind of story and really it adds to their enjoyment factor yeah entertainment factor yeah, yeah. And, I, and i and i do need to find a way to incorporate that you know uh, and enough to where uh, my experience is an asset without without trying to make it you know just uh, a has-been or arguably it never was um you know trying to get over as as something more than just a breaker it, it also sounds like you're not trying to pigeonhole yourself as the wrestling breaker. You're interested in football and baseball. Right. And, yeah. You, you know, both from your own collecting perspective and also because you understand that that's really where the sustainability is for you as a breaker. Mm-hmm. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, and you know, looking at my personal collection, I enjoy doing the wrestling breaks, but, I've got uh, one wrestler that I collect. So, and it was Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, who's my childhood hero. And aside from that, I don't collect wrestling cards. Uh, I enjoy the breaks, but baseball and football are what I collect. Oh, I love it. That's that's great. So, would you say? I mean, obviously, you came from an industry back then that was all about entertainment. Mm-hmm. How how do you balance? Or maybe the better question is, how has that kind of impacted the way you approach breaks? I mean, do do you view entertaining the clients, your customers, as kind of objective number one? Um, I think that it's it's obviously very important because I think that's one of the things that kind of nudges people um, in one direction or another is is the breaker's personality. You know, you've got two breakers offering the same product, same prices and everything. They're going to go with the one they like the most. And right. sometimes they're going to go with the ones they like the most, even if they, um, e- even if they're, um, Oh, price a little bit higher. But I think that, um, you know, in, in terms of entertainment, I'm, I'm still coming around to that. You know, I'm, I'm a little over a year into it. I'm starting to get my feet under me a little bit, I guess. Um, you know, because at first I, I didn't, I, it's not that I want to do cartwheels, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not that type of guy. And, you know, if I'm sitting there having a beer with somebody, um, at, in my living room or out on my patio, I'm not that guy, you know, I'm, I'm pretty laid back guy and stuff. So I'm not going to be too over the top. I do get excited when I pull, uh, cards that excite me and I let that show. I don't, I don't try to hide it. And 
uh, eBay market value doesn't always dictate my excitement for a particular card. I mean, <laughs> if I if, if I pull a Jim Rice autograph, I think that's pretty awesome. I'm not a Red Sox fan. That's awesome though. And so I might I might get excited about that, and somebody will be like, "Seriously, dude, that's like an eight dollar card. I don't care." <laughs> that's if I mean if it's if it's all about money, there are a heck of a lot easier ways to make money than in the card business. So I I try to enjoy it as a collector and that's give, a great give point. that perspective. That's a but, really great point. Yeah. But in terms See? of entertainment, I I try to be as real as I can, and um, you know, I mean, not not too real. I'm not like I, I'm a big junk food junkie. I'm not going to be like snacking while I'm eating or anything. I, I try to keep it professional, but at the same time, I I'm not wearing a mask. I, there are a lot of words like buzzwords that other breakers use and, and that's fine. It works for them. I don't use them. So, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, like a lot of people, um, each of them seems to have their catchphrase. I don't because that's just, that's not natural for me. And I, and I'm, I've, yeah, it's kind of a performance, but I still want to be real. I still, I, I don't want to be, um, you know, putting on an act for people. Yeah, that's an interesting point because I think that's probably one of the things that newer breakers struggle with the most, and that is balancing figuring out who you are, like mm-hmm. how much can you be yourself versus what the community of hobbyists want to hear, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, about a year ago when we, uh, it was with the site, the site has been around, our site breaker culture has been around for like three plus years. And after about a year mm-hmm. and a half, we, we hit a thousand reviews for breakers and Shani and I, I ran some analysis on just all the words being used in reviews and all that stuff that I like to do on the uh, analytics side. And mm-hmm. like number nine on the list of things that were popping up the most was entertainment. Like pe- people wow. just don't talk, don't, don't really care about entertainment. And when it was used, it was being typically used in the negative sense. Like the only time people were talking about entertainment was this breaker annoys me because they try to be too entertaining, like that type of yeah. thing. So it was really fascinating. It was it, what was typically popping up was transparency or family friendly or consistency, mm-hmm. all of the things that aren't real sexy, but yeah, you know, pe- people actually pay attention to that stuff. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. I- I, uh, I, I definitely agree with that. You know, I'm, I, I think that at the end of the day, it's still about how do they handle my cards? Do they ship in a timely manner? Do they care about what they're doing? You know, do like, I mean, for me, uh, the reason I got into breaking and I'm, I'm not going to call anybody out or anything because I, I think that each, uh, or not, not every breaker, but I think most breakers do a very good job and work really hard. Uh, but I'll, one of the things that really drew me to breaking was my pet peeves with, um, with joining breaks, you know, you're speaking uh, my language now. I love it. Go <laughs> ahead. Sorry. Keep going. Well, you know, there, there are a few things that, um, and like for one thing, and I, I, it, for the life of me, I can't figure out, yes, it costs more time and money, but if, if you buy a single off of me from eBay, you're getting that card in a bubble mailer, but you're getting it sandwiched between cardboard with painters tape over the cardboard. And, so like I would buy into breaks and even if I got something good, like I'd be like, seriously, no, like nothing. Just, you just threw it in a team bag and bubble mailer. Like, come on, man, protect my cards. So that was, that was one thing and and something that I've committed to do. And, and, and I'll tell you, it does cost a lot of money and take a lot of extra time uh, to, to do the cardboard when I'm shipping. But um, another one is when I, when I buy into a break, if I buy into a nine o'clock break, I want to tune in at eight fifty-five 
And within, you know, 10 minutes at least, I want to be watching my break. I've got a family. I've got things to do. There are a hundred different things that, that I could focus my attention on that night. And I've selected joining a break. I want that break happening when I, when it's supposed to. So the, you know, the, the kind of things that really bothered me, um, about joining breaks are the things that I, uh, that I really wanted to, I guess, focus on and, and try to make, make different use to set myself apart. Amen, brother. That was my attempt to sound like Hulk Hogan. <laughs> um, do you, do you, did you ever hear the story on why he called everybody brother? No. So he met so many people back in the day and I'm sure he continues to, but, um, he, he started calling everybody brother. That way he wouldn't have to remember anybody's names because people were like, Hey, yeah, remember me. Yeah. I came up and said, hi to you at the airport this day. Oh yeah. Hey, how you doing brother? So, you know, he, he, he always that's got away good. with not remembering people's names by calling him that. That's good. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more about the timing thing. I definitely get frustrated when I buy into something. I mean, we all have kids, we all have multiple things that we're trying to juggle in business mm-hmm. and life. And uh, I, I, at the same time, as a breaker, you, um, I, I have to imagine you've had the experience of struggling with filling a break and you've had to maybe delay something a little bit. So I've, is that not the case for you? And how do you manage that? So right out of the gate, I knew that I wanted my website to be my primary source of, uh, 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 I wanted that to be my main sales channel. And so I thought, man, I, I'm new. I can't have people like, I can't have people clicking, clicking the link, going to my channel at uh, the scheduled start time and listening to me do a telethon trying to sell the race spot. So what I started doing, and I at the time I hadn't seen anybody doing this, uh, is I just decided, you know what, I'm going to post stuff as as soon as possible. And then like 26 hours before the break, I'm going to pull the stuff off my website, whatever's left, and send it over to eBay for 24-hour auctions. That way, breaks are filled and on time every time. Or, you know, almost every time. Um, and, and I will tell you, I've, for the most part, I think people appreciate it. I have had some nasty feedback on that. And I, I don't know a diplomatic way to tell those people. Uh, I don't care if you don't like it. Like most people do. Most people appreciate it. And if you don't go somewhere else, you know, because I like if you if you want the Atlanta Brave spot, it's going to sell on my website. Ninety nine percent of the time go to my website and buy it. So the feedback that you're speaking of that was less than positive was somebody finding one team on eBay, but not the team they wanted and wondering where it was. Yeah. And, and I don't withhold yeah. spots. I mean, that's stupid. You know, right. I mean, if, if I want to join a break, I want to, I want the enjoyment of joining the break. And um, so, you know, I'm a Cardinal fan. If I want the Cardinal spot, I'm going to go buy the Cardinal spot. I'm not going to keep it. And, um, and, and at the same time, that's kind of like, you know, uh, getting high on your own supply that's and that's not good business right now that's that's interesting and i i actually think what you just shared is it's a smart idea i think there are some breakers out there that do it but not many and it's it's an interesting way to keep yourself on task on a schedule and provide your customers with uh you know a, a certain expectation that they're going to you know, have their entertainment when they want it. And I think most customers, if they understood that up front, mm-hmm. would probably not have the negative feedback to share 
on the back yeah. end. But you know, that's that's a hard thing to share when you're just listing something on on eBay. Yeah, and I and I just I put a little like one or two sentence thing in the listings if they are if they're not eBay exclusive breaks, just kind right. of explaining that. That's helped a lot. Um, usually the complaints come in in waves. Like I'll get you know two or three of them, and then I won't hear anything else for two months, and then I'll get you know four or five of them. Interesting. I I did have an experience not long ago. I, I'm wondering what your perspective is on this, mm-hmm. where uh I, I i don't even remember the breaker so i don't have to disparage them and throw their, them under the bus but the experience was that they had a number of baseball and baseball only breaks listed mm-hmm. and the only team that was not available and these were auctions they were not buy it now so the only team not available in their auctions was pittsburgh across three or four different products and wow. I'm, a, I'm a pittsburgh only guy so mm-hmm. I just sent a quick message saying, hey, uh, did you forget the list of pirates? I'm interested in them and them only. Um, what, you know, what's what? And the response was, yeah, I'm a Pirates fan, too. I keep them for myself in every break that I run. Oh, wow. I thought that was yeah. interesting. I mean, I guess it's someone's prerogative. They yeah. may be losing some business either by not getting the money for the Pirates, which isn't a high-end team ever. Mm-hmm. So they're not losing much either, but they might be losing a couple of customers that get a little annoyed that that's not an option for them. Yeah. I, you know, to, to me, that's uh, like, I, I try to balance things. I've, I've learned it's for, for me, it just hasn't, I, I'm not a breaker that can fill everything on the website yet. You know, I've, I've, I've got a long ways to go. I'm not going to pretend I'm, you know, at the top of the mountain right now. Um, right. So I, I do try to list um, at least one break for every product as an eBay break. And the reason I do that is because, um, well, you being a Pirates fan, I'm sure you can, you can appreciate this. When a manufacturer releases a product and they have no hits for a team, they're alienating an entire team's fan base for that product. Mm-hmm. And if you have the Pirates and they don't have a single card in Bowman's Best, and you say, okay, well, I can set out Bowman's Best, now you've entered, you, you've, you've, entertain the idea of not purchasing a product that comes out and when the next product comes out maybe you think oh okay they have autographs but you know it was really nice saving that 30 bucks this you know this this release this week and and maybe you save that 30 bucks next week too so they're they're kind of alienating an entire fan base uh for an for a whole team every time they do that and i think that by me not offering uh, a spot on eBay for each team, at least once for each product. I think I'm doing that too and missing an opportunity to convert those people into uh, into ongoing customers. So that that is one thing that I've started doing, um, actually started it about eight months ago, is trying to throw up at least one eBay break for every product. Oh, I like the way you're thinking. It's strategic. It is. No, it, it, I'm fascinated by the way you're processing this through kind of the business mindset. You know, I, I think a lot of a lot, a lot of breakers obviously don't come with a lot of business background in some cases, and, and it, that's what it takes. Like that's what it takes, and you're 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 thinking through it very strategically. I love it. Yeah, well, you know, and and it's funny because I I could never put the I, I actually tried putting this on a job resume a couple times, and it it, it's, it was kind of comical, but that is one of the things that wrestling taught me. You know, like it, it's so weird how much stuff I picked up. 
uh, in the pro wrestling business that actually has translated into uh, in, in, in like that I could apply to real life. And, you know, that being one of them, like if we're running a town uh, once every once every month, you never give people the, the option of missing a show, because if they miss a show, then you may never get them back. Yeah. So that's that's kind of that's kind of the why I look at the you know the manufacturers that way, and that's kind of why I do the eBay breaks, um, at least one for each product when possible. Right. Right. Yeah. Very, very nice. So so let me ask you this, and I mean now that you're um, you're 15 months in, right? Is that about right? 15 months. Yeah, it's about right. Okay. What, what would you say has been the most difficult adjustment for you when it comes to running your your breaking business? Um, I'm going to, uh, I, so, okay. One, I guess the most difficult adjustment for me is finding a a good, and I know this sounds very job interviewish. It's finding a good work-life balance because I think, um, I, I think for me, if I have a slower week, um, where I'm only doing, let's say four breaks, I, like I work hard and I try to get my work done as, as quickly as possible. So like, I want to get my work out of the way to free up time. But when I find myself like, Hey, this free time's nice. And then, okay, well, what am I going to do with this free time? Why do I have free time? You know, in my, the wheels start turning. So, uh, and I feel like I'm not doing enough. I feel like I'm not doing enough for my business. I'm not doing enough to support my family. And, and so I schedule very heavy the next week and I'm right back in that cycle. But, um, you know, I, I'm sure I'm sure everybody says they work 100 hours a week when they when they have their own business. But yeah. for me, for the most part, I work I wake up at eight o'clock in the morning, most mornings when I don't have you know podcast interviews. <laughs> um, but, I, <laughs> but I wake up at eight o'clock in the morning. I'm up until about two in the morning. And with the exception of maybe an hour or two for you know just personal time. I'm at about 80 to 85% most of that time as far as uh, how much of me is, is working and how much of me is, is, you know, distracted with other things. Um, I, I need to change that to about 60, 40 maybe, but you know, that's, that's been the hard part because it's hard to find the balance uh, between working hard enough to, to get this done and, you know, accomplish my goals without making this the the primary focus of my life to where I'm neglecting everything else. You know, I've got a wife and kid and I've got a, a, a dog and, um, you know, they, they need me too. So I, I've that, and, I, and I'm still working that out, you know, trying to find that yeah. balance. I think that's the kind of thing we're all always working on. And mm-hmm. if you're committed to things in life, whether that be work or life, uh, you're always going to be working on it. And that's just part of the game. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I know the answer to this, but I don't know that we've asked. Uh, is this your full-time gig? It is. Um, I was actually, my plan was for this to become my full-time gig about now, but I'm actually about um, a, a 10 or 11 months into this being my full-time gig. So, um I was promoted into a position that I, I didn't want and I wasn't qualified for. And I did that for um, a little over a year, but I was miserable. I couldn't stand it. And so while I was looking for different, I was looking to make a career change. I was also looking to hire somebody uh, 
to do the sorting and packaging and shipping and to, you know, I, I was looking for a full-time person. And so I, I was just like, well, okay, I guess that makes sense. You know, I'm not going to be making the money that I was before, but um, hopefully I, I can still maintain something close to the quality of life that we have now, as far as, as far as the, um, you know, the neighborhood and, you know, what, what we can afford and stuff. So, uh, and, and it's, it's been pretty good. I, I, you know, I'm honestly, the last couple of months has been a, just a little more lean than, um, than just about any other month this, this year that I've been doing it or almost year. So you went full time after just about a quarter in the business. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I I started off, it, it, you know, it, it was just my hand was kind of forced as far as that went. Um, I mean, I I was leaving that job one way or the other, so <laughs> I uh, it just it just happened to work out that way. That wasn't my plan. I wasn't like, man, this is such easy money. I can, oh man, I'm going to make a kill in doing this full time. It, it just it just worked out that way. So I'm curious, and you can go as much into this as you want, uh, but I mean, what mm -hmm. was your wife's reaction to that? Was she excited about the idea of you going full-time breaking, or was she kind of on edge, tentative about the idea? Um, no, she was definitely on edge. I mean, you know, it, it's scary. I mean, I was – I don't have a college degree, and the job that I had that I was promoted into, um, I, I worked my way into that position. You know, I mean, I, I started off – um, at a job making like 11 bucks an hour and just worked my way. I, you know, I, I can't really go into a job interview and say, well, no, I don't have a college degree, but you know, I wrestle at Kemper arena. Like nobody cares. So <laughs> it, that doesn't translate to like, yeah. And, um, and, and you know what, if somebody was going to hire me based on that, I probably don't want to work for that person. So, um, but I had to work my way up, up the ladder one rung at a time, you know? And, um, and and sometimes when you when you're starting off at the bottom, those rungs give out and you have to start back at you know at square one. Hmm. So it was a long tough process, but I was making uh, three times as much money as I had ever made in a job, like in my regular work life. So that was definitely scary. Yeah, no and, kidding. Um, and you know, for her, I mean, she she knew I had to leave that place. Um, my stress level was so high. My doctor like told me that he expected me to to have a stroke or a heart attack he's like i don't think you're gonna make it to 40 so wow. um so it was it was definitely the right move for my health and for uh you know for my family long term but um props to you you know bill, yeah. bills to have to be paid yeah right yeah just, right. yeah exactly yeah like, uh, like, I, I want my i want my husband yeah. around but i also need food on the table so right. <laughs> But the way you've approached it in your path that you're describing to us is, is extremely admirable. Yeah, I appreciate that. Well, cool. I definitely want to get into some more of the product stuff. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll do some rapid fire. Cool with you? Yeah, sounds good. Well, folks, if you're not using BreakYourCulture.com by now, then let me give you three reasons why you should highly consider checking it out today. The first is we have real-time pricing for basically every 2018 product out there. You want to find out what national treasures cost across all the different retailers? We'll give you real-time pricing for that product. Type in any other product that you want. You can see exactly what products cost and what you should be paying at different retailers. Second, 
We love giving you insights. We love giving you analysis and data. We do that for a variety of different things. Um, the most recent rollout we had is something we call checklist headquarters, where we've combined all the different checklists for 2018 baseball products and 2018 football products. And we give you an interactive checklist where you can go and you can dig into whatever you want to dig into. You want to look for different teams and figure out which products to invest in. You want to look for different players and see what you need to invest in. You can do it. It's all there. It's all click and interactive. It's really, really intuitive. And I think you're going to get a lot of value out of it. And the third thing that we do that I think a lot of people really enjoy is we provide pricing ladders. So we pick the products that uh, typically are staple products like a Prism or a Chrome, Tops or Bowman, whatever it may be. And we provide you weekly updates for what the prospects and rookie pricing auto looks like. So you know that over the over time, what's trending? Where, where am I starting to see value? Which players are starting to pick up steam and where should I be spending my money? So again, we want to educate you, uh, help you as a collector, as a buyer, as an investor, uh, spend your money more wisely. Um, and so we spend a lot of our, our time and our efforts in making sure that you have all the resources you need to be a more educated collector. So check it out, breakerculture.com. Back to the interview. All right, we're back. You ready to dive into some product stuff? Make this a little oh, sure. more, uh, a little more uh, rapid fire, if you will. So, so yeah. my first, my first question to you is, and we we brought this up last week, and we, we kind of go back and forth with this on social media. I mean, how hard is it you for you to balance this idea of you know having your opinion, being able to direct your buyers into products? Versus them kind of taking your advice with a grain of salt because you obviously need to fill breaks. Um, yeah, you know, you, but you but you want to be honest about products too. So, yep. tell me what your kind of stance is and your perspective is on that. <laughs> okay, so um, I, I'm going to take you back to Panini Illusions football last year. Okay. Um, I had I had four cases of it ordered, and unfortunately, when I very first opened up the product, it was not what it looked like. Um, on the sell sheet to me, I, it had that, that kind of crappy, uh, gold label baseball cardstock. I don't, I don't know what it's called, but, um, it had that feel to it. It wasn't a good product. I was excited about it. And I mean, I didn't, I didn't get through that first break before I was like, Oh man, come on, this is awful. Um, so here's, here's my thoughts on it. I'm going to make money doing breaks. If I have to take it on the chin, for Panini Illusions football in order to maintain my credibility, I'm going to. Now that, you know, it, it sucks. Like I, I open Panini, I, I try to keep things positive during the breaks. I think most people do. Nobody wants to listen to me, you know, complain and be a cranky, like uh, I'm like a premature cranky old man uh, at times, but nobody wants to hear that. No, like people don't care about my, uh, about like, they don't tune in to listen to me gripe and complain and be old and grouchy. So I, I try to keep things positive, but at the same time, um, sure, I can, I can lie about a product and get you to get you to maybe buy a spot. I don't want your money today. I need it. I, I need a little bit of it today. I need some next week. I need some the week after that. I, I need your ongoing business in order to make this a sustainable business. And, um, but at the same time, I do have, I do have products to fill. I, I try to find the positive. Um, but if something sucks, it sucks. And I, you know, I learned this from, uh, from pro wrestling. I, I keep re referencing that. And, it, and, and let me give you this quick disclaimer, this little sidebar. Um, 
I, I, I don't keep referencing that because I think it makes me cool because right now I'm a broken down, uh, 39 year old with a 70 year old man's body. And <laughs> I, and any, any thoughts that I have that I'm some kind of tough guy went away last year when I pulled a hamstring reach into my refrigerator for a Gatorade. So I, so I, I don't say that to try to make people like, uh, you know, think, think I'm anything, but you know, just a breaker now. But, um, at, at the same time, I, I learned in wrestling, the, the truly great announcers, the one thing they had with their audience is trust. They would not, you know, of course they're, they're selling a, a, a circus show. Um, but if somebody whiffed on a clothesline, they wouldn't say, Oh, he hit him right square in the throat. You know, they, they just, they would, they, they would be honest about what they would see. They would watch, they would observe, and they would be the voice of the audience. And, and I think that that's, that's kind of my approach as a breaker, you know, I sure it's a business. Sure. I have breaks to fill, but I also need to, um, I, I need to have credibility with, with my audience. And if I say something's good and it's very clearly a turd, then I'm not going to have that credibility. We appreciate that. Honesty is the best policy to be cliche about it. Yeah. I know. I appreciate it when I'm in a break and I'm not happy with the product, regardless of whether I'm getting hits or not. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I think, I think most people intuitively do feel that way as customers in breaks, whether or not they recognize if someone's being honest is a separate question. Yeah. But uh, I think those folks like yourself are gaining credibility in the process. Yeah. And I, 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 I think that's important. Now, now, one thing that kind of maybe separates me from some people is I do like most stuff. Like I don't consume things that I don't like. I, and, and I know that's crazy in 2018 because now I think a lot of people's it, and, you know, I, I mean this probably in, in as bad a way as it sounds. A lot of people's hobby is actually complaining about the hobby. It's not <laughs> enjoying the hobby. And, you know, you can look on social media anytime a manufacturer makes a post, they could post that they're donating $18 million to Habitat for Humanity. And people are going to be on there hijacking the post, complaining about sticker autos and redemption. Only 18 million? That's yeah. Only right. 18? <laughs> yeah. You're oh, so you guys, right, you though. So, you yeah. guys are so greedy. You guys are so greedy. It's wrong. I, I'm done. I'm done with this hobby. How and about that you? And that's, Take that 18 that million is, and fill my redemptions. Come on, yeah. man. <laughs> you, you drive, you drive to Chris Collinsworth's house and you get him to sign that. Chris yeah, Collinsworth. So I, I'm waiting on a Chris Collinsworth and Icky Woods redemption. So, um, so, that's, you're, so you're a Bengals fan? I am. And I don't know why. I guess I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a, an, an emotional masochist. You're a glutton. I, oh man, I guess. I, it, you know, I've liked them since Icky Woods and then Brian Pillman, who became a very successful wrestler, uh, played for the Bengals as well. So those two guys really got me hooked as a Bengals fan, and I've been suffering ever since. Well, I'm from Pittsburgh, so I'm a Steelers fan. Yeah. We, we hopefully know. we can maintain well, the, the beginning of this relationship, and, and it flourishes into a friendship without that getting in the way. You know, okay, so here's how that works. Um, when I talk to a Steelers fan – <laughs> about football 
I am immediately the submissive in the conversation. Uh, what do I say? Like, I can't talk any trash. You guys have a, you guys have a dynasty. You guys have one of the greatest sports franchises ever in the world. I have no trash to talk. Like, I, now I will, I will talk trash on the Cleveland Browns. I'll talk trash uh, in baseball. I'll talk trash on you know any team that's in our division. Um, but I just can't do that with the Steelers. I respect the franchise, and they own the Bengals. Yeah. So, and, and I'm not said. saying that. I'm not saying that because you're a Steelers fan. I mean, if you had said Ravens, I'd still say the same thing about the Steelers. Right. Do not let Shani bully you. We're, we're gonna we're gonna stop this right now. <laughs> I don't need to say anything. I, I can I can stay quiet and just enjoy this. No, it's oh, like my like like. Like the the Cardinals Royals rivalry, you know, it's like the the Royals fans for the longest time they were Uncle Rico's. Like they'd be like, "Oh no, but back in '85, back in '85, bro." And, but, but what <laughs> since? What else? And, but you know, they've won a title since, and you know, had a fun little run there for a couple of years. But I I don't have to bow down to Royals fans like I do Steelers fans. This will be edited out. I want to let you know. <laughs> <laughs> I will not allow this. Well. Stop focusing on the Royals anyway. The Pirates are in your division, and you got Shani right there who you can rub all kinds of stuff in his face. So let's focus yeah. on that. But, but, oh, but the please. Pirates aren't on the radar. It's been hard <laughs> nice. to be a Pirates fan over the years. Very oh, yeah, I'll bet. The last yeah. few years have been considerably better, but there mm-hmm. was about a 20-year stretch there where, oh, man, yeah, I definitely fell off the wagon a few times. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. You, you ever find yourself just liking the sport instead of <laughs> like, like, so who's your team? Well, I just, me, I just I, like baseball. Yeah. So I, I'll be the first to admit, even being into sports cards and knowing that baseball reigns king in sports cards in the hobby and always will. Mm-hmm. As far as the, the four prof- main professional sports are concerned, baseball is actually my least favorite. It just doesn't move fast enough for me. I yeah. appreciate the game. I have a friend who's a minor league announcer in Arkansas, mm-hmm. and he's always telling me, you know, it's the nuances. It's the game within the game. You got to, you know, kind of turn your brain at least, if not off, down a little bit and appreciate uh, what's what's happening without, you know, needing constant action. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I get it, but it doesn't stop me from getting bored. Yeah. And, uh it's it's interesting. I wonder what you guys think of some of the interesting proposals that have been thrown out there that the, apparently they're going to start trying to test out in the minors, like a shot clock for pitchers or keeping a pitcher to, uh, I think they're talking about one, two, or even three pickoff attempts to first base, but no more than that. If they go more than that, it'll be a balk. Yeah. I, don't, I, I hear all these. I, I'm, I'm old and I'm scared of change. So I'm like, oh, what is this hullabaloo, you know? Um, well, baseball is like golf in that sense where yeah. the traditionalists will get all riled up about that. Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of look at it like, you know, football and basketball are fast-moving sports. They're, they're like that dog that you play Frisbee with. And baseball is kind of like, like that lap dog, you know? And, and, I, and, there's, and there's certainly a place for the lap dog. But when you try to play Frisbee with a lap dog, it, it's not going to turn out well. It, it's never going to be. It's never going to be like an extreme right. action sport. 
Very good analogy, and I agree. And I do still appreciate baseball on some level. It's just always going to be fourth for me. Mm -hmm. Collecting-wise, though, I really do like the Pirates. I especially like a lot of the vet and legend stuff. Yeah. And, uh, I Like you mentioned earlier in the podcast, I get extremely frustrated when a checklist comes out for a new product and the Pirates are basically a complete afterthought, if they were a thought at all. Yeah. Now, uh, were you loving Diamond Kings? You know, I'm one of these people that really enjoys the kind of artsy, uh -huh. interesting bent on the hobby. So I love all of the Kings products. I started more than anything with Court Kings and uh -huh. the way they did it with basketball. And yes, love Diamond Kings. I think this year was a bit of a down year for Diamond Kings. Yeah, they, they came they had... back to the market with it a few years ago. Initially, it was great. And then the year after that, it was great again. Mm -hmm. um, I still got involved this year, but uh, I wasn't as happy. Yeah, the, uh, you know, hit wise, the Pirates were uh, not not crazy good, but they I did notice when I was, I mean, packaging and shipping cards, they had a lot of cards in that in that. I mean, there were, the, the Pirate stack was pretty good for Diamond Kings, I thought. You're right. And oddly enough, Panini seems to do a much better job at building a Pirates checklist for their non-licensed, non-logo baseball mm -hmm. products than Topps does. And it's been consistently that way for a few years now. Wow. Yeah. And I, and I don't understand why that, I mean, you can pick one player, like if I were Topps, Kevin Kiermeyer would like I would be promoting that guy like he was a like he was the biggest star in, in baseball, you know, at least for the Rays fans, put him in every product. Yeah, that way they have somebody to chase. Put Josh Bell in every product or, you know, um, I, I mean, I was going to name off a couple other guys, but I guess I got traded here recently. But, you know, now yeah, Archer's but we still there. have Greg Polanco. We still have Starling. Sure. Monday. Archer it would be very exciting to see in a Pirates uniform soon. Yeah. With some hits. And the interesting thing is, additionally, is that these guys have been willing to sign in the past, um, and 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 even to this day, Josh Bell is still signing for Panini products. Why can't he get involved? With, he's not popular enough, such that Panini has some type of exclusive deal with the guy. Mm -hmm. Tops can easily go grab him. And for that yeah. matter, we could sit here and name off, you know, probably a third of the teams in the league that you are often bringing up as the, the, those teams that don't have a good checklist or any checklist to speak of. Mm -hmm. and it's just, it, I think it's short sighted of the manufacturers to ever do that. Like yeah. you said. Yeah. I, I mean, I've, I've got a two dimensional view of, of their business and, you know, so I don't know, I, I don't know, maybe they've got some sort of reason, you know, having that third dimension of, of view, uh, that that I don't, but I just it it it's never made sense to me. I don't understand why you would ever want to do that. Give every fan a reason to buy every product, and yeah. you know cycle those guys through. Like pick out three guys from each team, uh, each of you know the I, I don't want to call them lower end teams, but you know the teams that don't get as much hobby love. Pick out like three guys, maybe four, and cycle them through. You know, do Chris, do Chris Archer, thing, and then Marte. Right. The interesting thing about this conversation is, and I, I have to admit, I could be wrong. I'm not an insider, so I don't really know how the finances work. Mm -hmm. But it seems to me 
then it's kind of a fair argument to make that if you did that, you'd actually be making a wise decision as far as the budget for each product is concerned. Because those guys that we're talking about for these teams that tend to not have a checklist are probably not guys that are going to cost you all that much. Yeah. A la paying judge however much you got to pay judge to have just tons of autos in every product or Chris sure. or so on. You know, you're, you'd probably be doing a service to your budget in whatever product we're talking about to go mm-hmm. after those second or third tier guys to make sure each team has something to chase. Yeah. I, I, it, come it, on. It, it, you know, you'd rather have a Brandon Woodruff auto <laughs> than it than any <laughs> or another Clint Fraser redemption like that come on that's, yeah. that's where it's at <laughs> so what, what's your what's your least favorite product so far this year uh this year my least favorite my least favorite product was inception and one of my most profitable products um ah. yeah In, inception sucked I had four I had four cases of it um and now here's here's the reason I've got such a bad taste in my mouth over that I like I said, I don't fill a whole lot of breaks through the website. I have to send stuff to eBay. Um, that's it's just it is what it is, and hopefully that changes at some point. But I filled three full case breaks of Inception. Pick your team style on the website. Um, I was thrilled about it. My hopes were very high for the product, and it just didn't deliver. There were, there were, you know, I, I think a, a big part of it is. And I'm not and I'm not blaming anybody in particular, but when online retailers bloat the prices of stuff up to, you know, double what wholesale cost is, it creates unrealistic expectations. When you're paying 75, 75 to 80 dollars for a box of Inception on release day and you get, you know, a lower end auto, it's a it's a punch in the gut. And so, you know, for for breakers, I mean, yeah, I I could price it at 20% above what I'm paying for it, but I need those, those high profit products to make up for, for the ones that do lose me money. Uh, so it would be dumb for me to, you know, do the work and take the risk of doing a break when I could just sell it sealed for, for more. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so I, I mean, I priced it accordingly. I was still priced below market price on sealed cases and I think I was randoming the uh, I was randoming the Angels for two of them and the Yankees for one. And uh, but I was still able to keep things, you know, pretty reasonably priced well below, you know, a lot of the bigger sites. And I was excited about it. And I really wanted that product to come through with some big hits for my customers. And it just didn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, the best the best case may have had. Two hundred fifty dollars in resale value and then doubling wow. up on players. One, we had three Clint Frazier autos. Um, so that, to me, that was the worst product and it's not necessarily tops fault. It's just the price point was way too high coming out of the gate. Uh, yeah, that's tops yeah. Chrome would be a close tops. Chrome would be a close second. It's just, it's, it's such an overhyped product. Hmm. Well, first off, that's unself, very unselfish of you because in terms of tops baseball products, uh, inception is the number one product, the Cardinals. So Cardinals have the most Cardinals hits and in inception. You, you probably knew that Card- but. cardinals yeah cardinals spot you know it, it's one of those mid-tier spots cardinals and orioles are i mean you're you're not going to get them super super cheap 
but if you're looking for just the sheer quantity of hits, those are two of those are two of the best spots to get this year. And especially mm-hmm. in my breaks, because I keep score um, on screen during the breaks. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you might pay sixty five dollars for the cardinal spot in a certain product. But if you win the break, you get twenty five in break credits. So it, that's it, you're paying a lot less for the cardinal spot at that point. I love it. I, I love that you do that. It's just so unique. It's fun. It's a totally different element. Um, okay, favorite product of the year. My favorite product of the year, um, man. Y- you know what? I think my my favorite product, just because it surprised me so much, is Elements Football. That was so much fun. Now, now I will say that and, and tell you that one of the cards per pack I wasn't very excited about, and that was the uh, rookie titanium autograph. Didn't really do much for me. It was too much like Infinity uh, from 2016, but. Mm-hmm. Those steel signatures seem like that just pulling them like I I bought three boxes at the last card show and I pulled a Morton Anderson auto and absolutely was thrilled about it, you know, because, because it's a guy that's to add to my collection. I don't care what the, the market value is or anything like that. But it, it, when you pull one of those steel signatures, it really seems like something awesome and um, and something that is going to be a, a cool addition to somebody's collection. You know, if, if I'm, I mean, if you've got the Steelers spot and I pull you a James Washington's rookie steel signatures, I don't, I don't see you throwing that up on eBay. I see you, I see you adding that to your collection and, you know, treasuring that card for a long period of time. And that's always more gratifying to me as a breaker. I don't want people to make money that are in it to resell, but um, the stuff that, the stuff that I don't think is leaving people's houses, there's just a little extra satisfaction there. And I, I think elements is something that, it will be really cool. will be really popular for people as far as their own personal collections. Yeah. I, I, Shani, I think you liked, you were a big fan of elements, right? I know there's a ton of Steelers sets and elements, but you were talking, you were talking like it was one of your favorite football products in a while. Uh, I, yeah, I would agree with uh, everything that he said. I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm almost speechless for a moment there because I I'm so into it. I like elements a lot. I like the fact that it's just something unique um that those steel autographs are just just cool they're just something so different and uh yeah i have three james washington steel autographs already and i'm not selling one of them (laughs) um i don't have my mason rudolph yet so i'm 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 on i'm on the hunt for that yeah um but yeah i mean it's just it's just a very cool product and it it is anchored by those steel autographs Mm -hmm. um so yeah i agree yeah. yeah. Now, 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 in terms of baseball, uh, my favorite one is uh, 2018 Panini Chronicles, which goes on sale this week. Interesting. Uh, no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I am looking forward to that product. I loved it in 2017. Um, you know, and it, it, it should be a lot what? of fun. Why did you love but, it? I'm curious why, why you like that so much. I mean, I, I will set aside the fact that it's unlicensed. We're not going to have that conversation. But why did you like Chronicles? Because I had I struggled with it so much. Just so many numbered I, cards. Every single pack's like five parallels. It it's because that's one of the few products that has come out that I've cared about the base cards. Um, mm-hmm. They were ugly and fun, and uh, <laughs> in, 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 at a time when, like for me, I was a kid. Like I, I was a poor kid when I got a pack of baseball cards. I had to get my money's worth. I had to get everything I could out of those. And that was reading the stats. That was reading the hometowns. That was, oh, yeah. um, you know, that was getting everything I could out of every single card. 
And now you pull a you pull a hit and you turn it over and it says congratulations you received a like okay well that doesn't add to the excitement tell me about this player why do I care about this player and so the the amount of text that was on those cards I personally thought it was fun I don't know that kids would find the same enjoyment unless they're um, you know deprived of, cer- of certain luxuries in life and um, I, I I really like some of the stuff that's on the sell sheet this year though. Uh, now, as far as baseball, my two favorite products of the year came out right at the same time. And that was Optic and Allen Ginter. Um, and, and, and the reason I, I, I had Optic. a blast with those. Yeah. Optic was good. Uh, you know, it was it was good as a break product. It was good profit wise. And most importantly, and, and I'm not this isn't this isn't business speak. This is genuinely how I feel because I need people to, you know, want to continue joining breaks. Um I need to give as many teams as possible good value for their money. I, I need as many people as possible to say, you know what? I that I my team did well in this break. And Optic, I feel like really spread the love. Uh got a lot of teams on the scoreboard, and I feel like a lot of people did well. Um Allen and Ginter, I enjoyed because I wouldn't touch it last year. I was like, no, there's there's no way. I ship all cards, I show all cards, my breaks <laughs> are longer than everybody else's. This year, I was I, I set a challenge for myself on case one. Um, I wanted to see uh, this was optic and Ginter. So optic I did on release day on a Wednesday, uh, shipping all cards. I shipped them on Thursday. I broke Ginter that night, Thursday night, and shipped on Friday, shipping all cards. So I, I it, it was it was fun because I got to set some challenges for myself and stay up until four or five in the morning doing you know doing stupid work and trying to keep like trying to keep myself awake. But I, I really had a blast with those products and with, with Ginter uh, case two, I was, I was done with Ginter for sure. But um, with optic, I, I could have done four or five more cases of that. And I put diamond Kings at, at a close third. I've really had fun with that. I, I like diamond Kings a lot, as we already discussed, yeah. I have to say, I, I I'm going to give you, uh, credit uh, for for being uniquely aware as a breaker how well a product is distributed across a good number of teams mm-hmm. because I uh, I remember from the break I think I've only been in one of your breaks but I've watched a few more mm-hmm. um, and and you do this thing that I've seen maybe a little bit here and there. But I think you do it more consistently than I've seen, I think, ever, which is that you do keep a running scoreboard. And yeah. this, you know, this team has this many hits. This other team doesn't have anything yet and everything in between. Um, and I think that's a good way to keep people aware of what's really happening with a product. Are their complaints legit or not? Are, mm-hmm. you know, should they be happy or not with a given product? Um I like that. I like that tactic, if you will. I'm not sure exactly what your thinking behind it is, but as far as my observation of it, uh, and and I'm also, like I said, using it to say to you and to the audience listening that when you make a comment about the distribution of wealth from a given product across a good number of teams, Mm -hmm. you really you're you're uniquely aware of whether that's true or not. Yeah, yeah. With with my style, it definitely gives me a, a probably a better view than most in terms of how teams do. And now, 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 keep in mind when I say a team doing well, if the Cardinals get 
Jack Flaherty auto and a Willie McGee auto, in my opinion, they had a pretty good break. Now, if they paid $70, $80 for that spot, you know, that's that's the cost of being a best fan in baseball, right? Um, <laughs> no, no, it's um, it's just to me, if 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 you're joining like Randy Johnson is actually he's he's the example I use. If you join a break, if your spot got Randy Johnson, a Randy Johnson auto, would you be happy? If so, awesome. You're doing the right thing. If not, you're probably paying too much for your spot. And that, so that, I mean, I, I, I don't, I know a lot of people do this to resell, but I also have to keep in mind and the people that I try to cater to, and I, and I understand I need resellers, but I, I'm a collector. I don't really care for selling a whole lot. And I, uh, I maybe kind of naively assume that most of the people that are joining are, uh, collectors too, looking to add stuff to their collections. In keeping with, the product conversation uh i know tyler alluded to it earlier the rapid fire thing so let's uh tyler i'm gonna hand it back to you but i i think it's a fun thing to have as a segment on every podcast something a bit more rapid fire so what we're going to ask you to do is stream of consciousness here Mm -hmm. first first cut you know first couple three words that come to mind sure and move on rapid fire so tyler you have your list in front of you you better believe it (laughs) you ready for this matt you sure let's do it we need to cue up some music we need to come up with a good theme song (laughs) all right here we go favorite rock movie the rock dwayne johnson um the rundown yes yes i'm you read that you didn't even flinch I'm goofy. It's a goofy movie. Least favorite rock movie. Um, the the Mummy Returns. <laughs> oh man, nice. Or the Scorpion King, I guess. Scorpion King. Yeah, that's got to be up there too. All right, least favorite wrestler. Um, Vader, and he just passed away. So <laughs> I'm a bad person for saying that, but we have history. No kidding. Um, uh, favorite junk food. Go to junk food. Oh, all <laughs> Doritos. Um, man. Yeah. Uh, all the above. Least favorite buzzword in the hobby. Um, bloodbath. Oh, wow. Okay. Why bloodbath? What, what, what frustrates you with that? <laughs> it, it's stupid. If you're spending so much money on a product that, if you're spending so much on a product that if you don't get a Mike Trout Super Fractor Auto, then you're spending too much money. Spend smarter. And mm-hmm. if 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 you ever put yourself in a position to where compare the experience to a bloodbath, then I I I mean I don't know what advice to give, but you're doing yeah. it wrong. Agreed. Favorite social platform? Social media. Facebook. I'm assuming Twitter and Instagram are your least favorite. <laughs> uh, yeah, just because it, it's a lot easier for people to be anonymous and some people are awful. Unhappy people do a lot of unhappy things to make other people unhappy. There you go. It's like we, we kinda, burn, yeah, you're, you're speaking Chinese language. We're going to get philosophical. No, we're not, we're not going to get philosophical. We're not allowing him to do that right now. Well, I, I'm gonna, I, I got to add one question and it could be rapid fire. That's fine. Do you allow your kid to have a social media presence yet? No. I like the answer. 
who do you uh who do you pick to break with you it could be professional athlete actor actress if you could have him sit with you the whole day and break pat nishak <laughs> okay I, I thought for sure you'd say alex gordon but it's all good i'll forgive you <laughs> is he a collector <laughs> oh that's right nishak is a collector isn't he yeah yeah that's cool that's a good call that's a very good call yeah you probably have some really fun he, he's had some really good insights which we kind of a different perspective that'd be really fun. yeah yeah okay guilty pleasure movie show with your wife if you I'm have any dirt that's classic what about shows you watch any frequent shows yeah i watch i watch the crime garbage like just all the crime garbage which for, crime, for a, crime show what's that what's what's the best all-time crime show unsolved mysteries it's <laughs> oh, the bad acting that's oh, a good man. one all right. What about guilty pleasure in collecting? Who's the guy that has almost no value in the hobby, but you just buy up everything of his? Scott Radinsky. He was a reliever for the White Sox. Okay. I love it, man. I love the fact that you just rattle off stuff without even like flinching. This is awesome. That's Great the way stuff. it's supposed to go. That's kind of how I live life, and it doesn't always work out well for me. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just rattle off whatever. That's right. Well, cool. So, so tell us uh, real quick. We'll we'll wrap up here in a few minutes. But so, what are your goals then? Kind of the next six to twelve months. What are you What are you trying to accomplish? What should we be looking out for with cardboard treasures? Uh, well, right now, I I'm I'm at a bit of a crossroads where I'm still listing a lot of breaks on eBay and still not filling breaks on the website. So I, I I think at this point, I need to see how the next couple months play out and either become an eBay exclusive breaker or a website breaker. Um, it, it is as noble as my intentions are. I think that it, it is kind of uh, handicapping me to a certain degree when you know I'm I'm not doing what other people do. I, I I'm I I feel like I'm making a lot of adjustments to try to make the process as clean and convenient for everybody as possible. Uh, but at the same time, it, 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 in some ways, I shoot myself in the foot doing that because when I list stuff for 24-hour auctions, you know, you figure 30 breaks in a month and uh, maybe sending two-thirds of spots to eBay, it, those those costs add up really fast. You know, a, a dollar thirty-five or dollar forty-five per listing doesn't sound like much, but um, it, it piles on. And when I get those three and four thousand dollar eBay bills every month, it uh, mm. it it, it's it, it's a it's a punch in the gut. So uh, I I I would like to become a website exclusive breaker, but realistically, um, it if if I'm not able to turn that corner, I might have to. I, I don't want to say withdraw because I'm not saying this is less, uh, but I might have to take take a step in the other direction and just focus on eBay sales. Interesting. Man, I get upset when I see a three-figure eBay bill at the end of the month. Oh, it's, it, wow. it's, it, yeah, it's, it, it, it's tough because they. I wish they took it out from every break. Uh, you know, if if there's a week when I'm dropping twenty-four, twenty-five thousand dollars on product, and then I get that bill on the same week, it, it's it's tough. It's, I mean, it's not ramen tough, you know, where we have to eat ramen for for a week, but. <laughs> Not, not that we need to be poor to eat ramen. I love that stuff, but, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, it, it, you know, it's, it's one of those things that if I'm a, if I'm an eBay exclusive breaker, then I at least know that and can budget accordingly. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. And 
I've had so many conversations with different breakers who have to make that decision. And sometimes it's, Hey, what, what are you saying? What are you hearing? What, what's typically the you know, responses from people going that direction? But five years ago, you couldn't have done it because eBay was blocking everything. Essentially, you had to come up with some workaround to figure out a way for you to not basically cross eBay policy. Yeah. But, but at least now you are able to say, you know what, if I want to go that direction, I can because eBay is going to support it. Not, not yeah. cut me out. So that, that is a nice option to have. From the opposite perspective, it would be nice if there was a, some form of competition for eBay out there. Absolutely. That would be incredible. You know, I wish there was a way for, um, for, I, I mean, I, I don't have the technical expertise to do it, but I wish there was a way for somebody to merge the services of something like an eBay with uh, breakers TV, hmm. you know, to where you can just go on there and either bid or purchase directly through the, uh, break streaming website or whatever the, the streaming platform. If and only if breakers TV would finally commit to buying more broadband, <laughs> yeah, no you kidding. know, I, I, I actually, I just started now. Now, one thing I didn't say about when I started breaking is how stubborn I was. I had certain guidelines uh, and, and a lot of them still hold true. Uh, one of them is I, um, you know, the family friendly thing. It's not negotiable. I don't care how much somebody spends, how much they might spend. I will ban somebody for not, not keeping things family friendly. I in, in off camera, I am as foul mouthed as anybody you could ever meet. I just am. It's, it's me, but on camera, if I can control it through uh, 300, 350 breaks, you know, that many hours of live streaming and not once have I had a slip up, then people can control their fingertips and their thumbs. So, yeah. um, and, and if they can't, then, then I don't want them there. But um, I also refused to go to breakers for the longest time. Um, now, 24-7, except when I'm live streaming, I've got my spreadsheet up there showing spot availability and everything, um, you know, spot pricing and availability. And I also uh, am live streaming to Facebook, YouTube and breakers now. So mm -hmm. uh, I, and I'm, I'm not getting much of an audience on breakers. I think at my peak, I might have four or five viewers, uh, but you never know. And one of those viewers might become somebody who's a regular customer. It seems to me that the audience that used to watch on breakers has migrated to either YouTube or Facebook. I would yeah. say more heavily in, in YouTube. Yeah. Um, it just the, the broadband issue with them and the lack of consistent, solid connection is just way too much of a problem. Mm -hmm. I think the, 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 the greatest thing about breakers that no one else either has figured out or I think more likely not they're not even aware that it's something that they could probably incorporate relatively easily um, but it would require some work is the browse button to be able to go on breakers hit that browse button and quickly see oh, here's all these breakers and from that thumbnail picture oh, I can tell this guy's filling something that I'm interested in I'm going to click on that and check out what's going on Oh, nope, it's not what I wanted or expected. Just go back to the browse button, keep looking. If the, if YouTube had a breakers section with a browse button to where you could see kind of the same fashion, all the thumbnails of breakers who are currently live and doing something. Sure. That could be a game changer. Yeah, absolutely. 
And, you know, even I mean, kind of along those lines, I was thinking about this the other day. eBay could do a lot more for breakers, too, as far as, um, you know, right now, if like when I do my product listings, I um, I can select product type, single case, you know, box, all that different stuff. There's still not a product type for break. There's still not a category for break. There's, you know, so I can't just click on break subcategory baseball and see all the baseball breaks that are posted. Uh, it it's it's weird to me because it seems like with all the tech available, it it seems like a lot of different a, a lot of different things in this hobby are still kind of ten years behind. Yeah. I just type in baseball case break and click ending soonest. And typically that is the thing that captures most of what's out there. Right. Um, but yeah, you're right. And, and the yeah. tough part about it is character limits. So at times I have to decide, okay. am I going to eliminate tops or am I going to eliminate baseball from the title? Yeah. Because I've got to have the team and I've got to have what I'm, what I'm breaking. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, and I, I think that's a good point around, kind of the way they set up filters and stuff. I think it's just eBay's way of saying we're not going to officially support breaks, yeah. but we're going to allow breaks. We'll turn our, we'll turn a blind eye to all that revenue we're generating from breaks, but mm. we don't, we don't really support it. And when things go downhill, we're going to, we're going to be able to fall back on that. So they can yeah. cut and run. Right. <laughs> if they want to. Right. Well, they screwed They screwed up when they emailed me, invite me to, <laughs> Join in on a sure. meeting with him if I went to the national. Now, I've, now I've got proof they know what's up. Well, <laughs> and I was going to mention that more from a you know potentially positive perspective is that e- eBay having a presence at the national meant to me that they're taking this hobby a lot more seriously, mm-hmm. and I think would potentially uh, just a guess be a bit more amenable to some feedback. Um, so I, I don't know. I would I would kind of encourage you and anyone who's listening that if you have these kind of ideas, um, why not reach out to eBay, whether it's with a phone call or an email, it doesn't matter, because mm-hmm. the more of that that they're bombarded with, the more seriously they'll have to take it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just like voting. So yeah. I, I like that idea. And I, I would encourage anybody to you know share share those ideas within the hobby, but especially with eBay themselves. Um, and I actually did take the time to go to the eBay booth and talk to somebody. They were more equipped to having discussions with folks that had larger stores. Mm-hmm. A guy like me, they really didn't have all that much. Um, but you know, someone like you might actually hit that level. I don't know how large your store is, but I have to assume it's considerably larger than mine. So you, you might, because you weren't at the national and didn't have the opportunity to have that conversation, you, you might want to reach out to them and have that conversation with them still. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Cause it seems like that, that presence at the national was, I think a big step and a big statement. So I could Agreed. be wrong, but Agreed. it's worth, it's worth, you know, taking a look into. Yeah, for sure. Well, Matt, man, I'll tell you, I'm excited to see kind of what happens with you over the next three to six months kind of what direction your business goes. I know Shanine and I will be following you. We look forward to seeing how how things happen. Thank you so much for joining today. Seriously. Yeah, thanks, awesome. man. Awesome. What's, nice uh, to you guys. Well, parting words, what what do you want to point folks to? Anything you got, any giveaways, any specials you got you want folks to know about or tell us where to find you. 
Uh, sure. Yeah. You can find me at, uh, it's at Seaboard Treasures on social media and uh, CardboardTreasures.com. And then I do have a uh, promotion going. Actually, I don't want to call it a promotion, a new thing on the website where um, you get 5% rebate for qualifying break purchases um, on the website. And then if your team goes hitless, then you get double the rebate. And so that's, you know, you're getting 10% back uh, if your team does go hitless. And and I say on qualifying breaks because all your pick your team, all the pick your teams will be that way. But if I'm doing a random that's priced like below market price on a case, there won't be rebates on that. Um, that that just it doesn't it doesn't work out that way. Eventually, I'm paying the break if I do that. So, yeah, uh, but but five percent rebates on website break purchases and 10 percent if you go hitless. Beautiful. Love it. Yeah, folks, go check them out. Go check out a scoreboard. Matt, thanks so much. Enjoy the weekend with your family. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, guys. Have a good weekend. All right. Thank you.